Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Daily DLP. I'm your host, Ash Thompson. Today on a short week, we're jumping straight into the Packers game on Thursday. No deep stats dive this week. You guys don't get to listen to me do math. Uh, So next week... You're getting two episodes where you get to listen to me do math. How exciting. So this week on Friday, we'll have the immediate post-game reaction from me and possibly something from Gray. And then we'll have Bischoff and Brown close out the week with their reactions to that game. Uh, Monday, we'll do a deep dive into the Packers. Monday, we'll do a deep dive into the Packers game numerically. And Tuesday is going to be around the division again. And then on Wednesday, I'm going to do what I call the quarter post review. Uh, Since they went from 16 games to 17, that's not perfectly accurate, but I'm going to do this after week four, then week nine during the bye, and then week 13, just to give us some pattern, just a picture, just to give us a picture of where the team is at, at these three key points in the season. But today we're looking at the Packers offense. Let's get it on. The Green Bay Packers offense is the brainchild of head coach Matt LaFleur. Now, LaFleur is from Mount Pleasant, Michigan, for those of you who care about that sort of thing. He attended Western Michigan University, where they moved him to wide receiver from his beloved quarterback position. So, he transferred to Saginaw Valley State to play quarterback in Division II. He played for the delightfully named Omaha Beef in the indoor league as a professional. And then launched his coaching career, where he kind of went in the reverse of his college athletics career. He started for Saginaw Valley State in 2003. Then he went to Central Michigan as an offensive assistant for a couple seasons. Then he was the QB and receivers coach at Northern Michigan and finally got his first offensive coordinator job at Ashland University. Probably a spectacular school full of incredibly intelligent people. Then he got scooped up by the NFL. In 2008, he joined the Texans staff and met Kyle Shanahan. You probably know the rest of this story. The Athletic did like an eight-part series on this in the summer that you should check out if you haven't already checked out, where they just talk about the coaching staff that would join Mike Shanahan in Washington in about 2010. Uh, Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator of that group, but it also had current NFL head coaches Sean McVay and Mike McDaniel as well. And that podcast series talks to all of them about their time spent there and kind of the development of offense over the course of the intervening time period. It's a really good listen. You should probably do that after you finish my podcast. Uh, Notably, 
the first primary responsibility on that staff was mentoring the rookie quarterbacks, Robert Griffin III and Kirk Cousins in 2012. If there's a single coach on that staff that there is a reason to believe he could develop quarterbacks, it's the guy who got Kirk Cousins from the, what was he, third or fourth round pick to a bona fide NFL starter with Washington. He was also the quarterback's coach for that one year in Atlanta where Matt Ryan was possessed by some kind of Hall of Fame quarterback ability demon and won the MVP in a career that wasn't exactly that kind of career. Uh, Falcons went to the Super Bowl that year. And then when Shanahan moved to San Francisco as the head coach, LaFleur went a different path. He joined McVay with the Rams. And that was the year Jared Goff went from one of the worst rookie quarterbacks in the history of the league to a pro bowler the very next season. He only spent one year with the Rams, and then he joined Mike Vrabel uh, for the opportunity to be a real offensive coordinator. Both Shanahan and McVay are the play callers for their offense, so the OC is basically a glorified quarterbacks coach. And one year of doing that got him the Packers head coaching job. Since he joined the Packers, Aaron Rodgers has had a late career renaissance uh, after they drafted his replacement, Jordan Love, who has been LaFleur's pet project while he's there. The Packers offensive coordinator, Adam Stenovich, was their offensive line coach. Then he got the bump to the run game coordinator spot in 2019 and became the official offensive coordinator in 2022. Now, LeFleur, like Shanahan and McVay before him, is the guy who calls the plays for the Green Bay offense. But Stinovich has a big part in the design. But it's primarily the design of the protection packages and the running game. Uh, before joining the Packers in 2019, Stinovich was the assistant offensive line coach for the 49ers during that period where guys like Matt Breida looked like they could be feature backs behind that offensive line. Uh, in short, the Packers offense is specifically designed to make the quarterbacks and running backs lives easy. That's that's the core of all of the design. But there are a few things that would be easy to assume, given LaFleur's experience under the Shanahan tree, that are just not true. Uh, the first one is Shanahan offenses run zone blocking all but exclusively, and that is not true for the Packers. They do mix in a lot of pulling and trapping and just a, a wide variety of concepts. Like, Stenovich may have come up in that system, Lafleur may have come up in that system, but I suspect the influence of the things Aaron Rodgers liked to do as a quarterback have forced them into a bunch of other things that otherwise might not have made their way into this mix. And the result is an extremely diverse rushing attack, unlike what we saw last week from the Falcons, where they like literally run four plays, and the only difference is the formation that they run those four plays out of and the pre-snap motion. This is a whole different animal. The Packers actually do a bunch of different things in the run game. Uh, this year, they've been missing their best offensive lineman, David Bakhtiari, but the tackles haven't really been the problem, as Rashid Walker, the guy standing in for him, has the 12th best pass blocking grade among offensive tackles, according to PFF. Uh, his run blocking grade is 42nd, so it's not like they haven't felt the missing Bakhtiari at all, but he's been good enough to not be the problem that holds back the Packers' offense in general. The problem with this offense is Jordan Love. 
And in three games, Love has 655 yards, seven touchdowns, and one interception. So on the surface, that doesn't sound like a problem. But this is what I do. We look a little bit deeper here. He hasn't been a turnover machine. That's not the issue. Uh, The issue is that he's missing throws and making bad choices, and he's doing it constantly. Like his 50-50 balls have been more like 30-70 balls. And outside the passing trapezoid, phrase nobody but me uses referring to the area that is uh, basically less than five yards from the line of scrimmage in all directions and kind of in the middle third of the field makes something vaguely shaped like a trapezoid that is the easy place. It's the place where it's really easy to defend if that's all you can throw at. Outside of that, he's been legitimately terrible. Like, even looking at the miracle comeback against the Saints this week, in the fourth quarter, down three scores, the Packers suddenly became the beneficiaries of defensive backs bailing out Love's, like, terribly thrown deep balls. Like, like unacceptably bad. Like, every quarterback misses throws like this. It just is a thing that happens, and you just kind of have to live with it. Like, these were grotesque, like, not professional caliber throws on deep balls to open receivers. Like, the one to Dontavion Wicks was was underthrown by 10 yards. (laughs) The only reason there was a pass interference was that he tried to cut back to get to the ball, and Alante Taylor just ran into him, assuming that the ball was coming and reaching up to play it. Because he got beat, so he was just happy he could get back to the receiver and maybe make a play on the ball by throwing his arms up in the air, while Wicks was trying to basically stop from a dead run and come back to where the ball was going to be. Like, that that was a free 50 yards that uh, got the, the Packers back into the game. And it was followed immediately by another uncatchable ball to, to Romeo Dubs. Where the DB just, again, got beat and was desperately trying to get back into the play. And the throw was so underthrown that he actually ran into the receiver while the receiver was trying to get back to the ball. So that's another 20. That's just 70 free yards that the Saints handed a team they were up on two scores by. And in the NFL, in the NFL, you can't do that. Like, I'll give them credit from there. The Packers took advantage of the gift. They got it back to a one-score game. And then... Well, on the next drive, the Saints decided not to push Jordan Love out of bounds. So he got an extra like 15, 20 yards on a scramble. Uh, and then Jaden Reed and Romeo Dobbs did. They made a couple spectacular plays. Like they made a, a couple circus catches, a diving catch and a ball where Dobbs had to reach around the defensive back to get to again. A horribly thrown ball like on these balls, you're not trying to put it into the nameplate of the defensive back you're trying to put it up over the defensive back in a spot where he's extremely unlikely to be able to react to it that is not what love did on that play it's a 50 50 ball when stafford throws it but like i said it was more like a 30 70 throw and the 30 paid off this time and the issue is that those aren't the only deep balls that love missed in this game like on balls over 15 yards in the air week one love was one for four week two 
little bit better. He was two for six. But in week three, he was three for 14. That's six for 24 on the season with balls over 15 yards in the air. And it's not because the receivers aren't open. Like on Sunday alone, Love badly missed about five throws that should have been completions. And that's why they had to make a fourth quarter miracle comeback. Like if he hits two of those five balls, even they're up at the beginning of the fourth quarter, as opposed to down, like in terms of the depth of target, Jordan love isn't a league wide outlier. He's fourth in the league in basically the average depth that he's throwing the ball to on any given play. Uh, his intended air yards per attempt is crazy though. Uh, it's, it's at 10.6, which like, it's not a historically insane number, but it's about a yard higher than would usually lead the league. And like, don't think that I'm saying love has played badly overall. There, there are good things that he's done. Uh, like, and there's a reason that he's not completing as many passes. Like he's, you know, he's had a thousand and thirteen air yards intended on his throws, and the guys that he's in the same spot with typically have about twenty or thirty more pass attempts than he does. Like Mac Jones, for example, has a thousand and forty-two. Uh, loves air yards per completion is seven, so he is completing a reasonable number of his pass. He's attempting ten point six, getting well, his completions are seven. Uh, Jones's average air yards per completion is 4.6, which is absolutely terrible. So the difference there is that Love is completing some intermediate deep passes while Jones is only hitting dinks and dunks. But while that seven air yards per completion is good for seventh in the league, that doesn't in and of itself mean a whole bunch. Like it's nestled right in between Russell Wilson and Andy Dalton. And I don't think anybody would say that those two guys are paragons of modern quarterback play. What indicates a bit of an issue is that when you look at the air yards per attempt, he drops from that seventh position down to 19th. So Bolton just, mid to below average and his overall completion percentage is 53.1 and as far as the yardage goes love is benefiting from the fourth highest yards after the catch per completion in the league the main issue here though is like you cannot win consistently in the nfl with your quarterback only completing just over half of his passes like we are in Malik Willis in 2022 level of terrible completion percentage right now, like Deshaun Watson's nightmarish 2022 season was five points higher than this. Basically, like Jordan loves throwing up some air punts and nobody has yet made them pay for that. So that's the first thing you need to do to beat the Packers. When Jordan Love hands you a gift... You have to just accept it. You don't have to do the Japanese tradition where you turn it down and they insist and then you turn it down and they insist and then you turn it down and they insist because love will be the uncouth barbarian that stops insisting at some point as opposed to just going until you take the stupid gift. Uh, 
Not sure how well that analogy is going to play. Well, basically, you need to be a bad friend to Jordan Love and not bail him out with penalties as well. Like, when he gives you a gift, take it. And don't give him a gift back. Be a bad friend. Make him work for it. And good things will happen for the defense. Like the Packers want to go deep with the ball. And you can't let them do that. What's the first step of not letting them do that? You guys are going to hear me say this one a lot too. They have to run the ball. And this is where the Packers offense has been legitimately terrible this season. They're averaging a paltry 3.4 yards per carry. A.J. Dillon has dragged their average down with his 2.7 yards per carry on the season. And he's not doing the David Montgomery thing. Like, with almost 40 carries, his success rate is only 43.6. Now, not everyone watches all of these, so I'll just quickly dig into that one again. Success rate is a key stat for running backs. It compares the yards gained to the down and distance to determine whether the player had a productive play in advancing the goal of eventually getting a first down. So like a big run on third and forever matters less in that stat than two yards on fourth and one. Or for a receiver coming up a yard short of the sticks on second down, awesome. On third down, not awesome. You get the idea. And 43% isn't good. Uh, if Aaron Jones is back as a, you know, please don't let Aaron Jones be back. <laughs> Uh, but if he's back, uh, his success rate on the season in his one game that he played was 77.8, uh, which is ridiculous. Like really good running backs are usually in the like 50 to 55 range. That's that's most of the time on like an actual like bell cow back with that many carries. That's about what can be expected for somebody who's good. Um, if Jones is back, the Packers offense changes completely and is much more difficult to defend because achieving this goal of stopping the run on first down is much, much harder. Uh, the reason Love has been having to throw all these bombs is because the Packers are consistently falling behind the sticks because of their inability to run and frankly also pass on first down. Packers have run 55 second down plays in 2023. They have had 10 or more yards to go for a first down on 21 of those plays. They have had seven yards or more to go on 33 of those plays. That's 60% of their second downs coming in a second and having failed on first down scenario. That's not good. Uh, on the best passing down in distance, which is first and 10, the Packers have completed 60% of their passes. Uh, for reference, the Lions have completed 73.3% of their passes on first and 10. The two teams have the same number of pass attempts. Uh, the Lions have 367 yards compared to the Packers 219. So that's 50 yards per game of first down inefficiency from this Packers offense because they haven't successfully been able to throw the ball on first down. And their rushing average is not very good. Like first down has been like a relatively decent rundown for Green Bay. Uh, like they've averaged almost half a yard more on first and 10 than their overall number. So that's the second thing your Lions defense needs to do. 
is they need to stop that run, the down where the Packers have actually been reasonably successful doing it, first and 10, they need to stop the run on first and 10. Like the Packers are going to mix their gap runs, they're going to mix in zone runs, their interior offensive line is not very good though. So a steady diet of bugs, Alim McNeil, Benito Jones, and Levi Onzerike in the Green Bay backfield is a key, particularly if Aaron Jones is back in action. The way to stop him is to not let him start. And that's how you keep the Packers in a position to be behind the sticks and keep Love having to play hero ball, which despite appearances he hasn't actually been good at, he's just had penalties and receivers bailing him out. Like, and just nobody's making him pay for the fact that he hasn't been spectacular on it. Like, he's 8 for 17 on 3rd and 7 or more. They've actually been better off running the ball by nearly 3 yards a play on 3rd down and 7 or more. So that's a, a central key to beating the Packers, again, is, is getting Jordan Love to those 3rd and long situations where he is not good and then taking advantage of his bad throws. And this is the first way to do that, is to stop the run on early downs, which is probably only going to be particularly difficult if Aaron Jones is back. And the way you do that is by playing your actual defensive tackles, not screwing around by having 280-pound ends being your three technique on rundowns. The third thing is the most important thing. And sadly, I'm still not at a place where I have a great deal of belief that the Lions are going to be good at this particular thing. Uh, the Lions need a really good self-scout this week. Like, Matt LaFleur has been putting Love in a really good spot. I mean, really, really good spots. And the Lions have been giving quarterbacks some great opportunities in these first few weeks to complete passes. So you can bet that LaFleur has been watching those games. Like, you, you know he's watched the Seahawks game. And if we take an honest look at week one, we know that if the Chiefs receivers could catch, that's also a loss for the Detroit Lions. But they couldn't. We got the win. Asterisks aren't a thing. Two and one. But the Lions need to figure out why those receivers have been that open, and they need to fix it. Like last week... They kind of did that against Atlanta, but I'm going to be blunt, like Arthur Smith in the passing game is like one of those old can openers that were basically like a hook that would go under the lip and you just sort of gouge out part of the lid and go around the circle. Uh, Matt LaFleur is one of those sweet electronic can openers where you set the can down, hit a button, and it just opens the can for you and does the job. The Packers have had receivers open all the time and love is just missing them. Like, whatever exploit there is in the Lions' new secondary, we're very likely to find out about it early and often against Green Bay. So the Lions need to know what that is going to be and how LaFleur is likely to attack it. And they need to adjust, taking into account what LaFleur is likely to do with something that can exploit that. Like, I think the Lions are a better team than the Packers this year. I'm not sure I believe that the Lions' defensive play caller is going to outcoach the Packers' offensive play caller the way he has in the past now that Aaron Rodgers isn't forcing the Packers into a weird hybrid offense that makes him comfortable as opposed to something designed specifically by this play caller that he is comfortable with. And Glenn 
needs to outcoach LaFleur on Thursday for the Lions to win this game. Because the Packers have been succeeding in spite of Jordan Love, and their defense is a huge reason for that. A reason I'll go into tomorrow. Have a great day.